This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Many voices, one journey. SoundsTrue.com. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Cindy Dale. Cindy is an internationally renowned intuitive healer, and she's the author of several books, including The Subtle Body, an Encyclopedia of Your Energetic Anatomy, and Illuminating the Afterlife, Your Soul's Journey Through the Worlds Beyond, as well as the Sounds True audio learning program, Advanced Chakra Wisdom. I spoke with Cindy about your destiny and the chakras. Cindy, welcome. I know you offer something called, quote-unquote, destiny coaching. And could you explain to us what that is, destiny coaching? I would love to. You know, I believe, and I think most of us believe the same, that we are on this planet at this time to achieve a personal destiny or a spiritual mission. And all of our destinies if we could join them together, will result in the kind of planet that we each want to live on and that we want to pass on to our children. My job when I'm coaching or witnessing somebody's process is to help that person figure out specifically what they're here to accomplish, what their gifts are, and how to get it going in their everyday lives. And so I serve as a conduit for some of the spiritual messages that might come through to support somebody, you know, and a bit as a cheerleader to say, you can do it, let's go. Uh, you know, but ultimately, each of us have to really accept our own worthiness and our right, our birthright, to, to express who we really are and to offer it into the world. In working with so many different people over the years, I'm curious what kinds of trends or patterns you've seen. What, what kind of people seem to just easily access their sense of purpose, and and why do some people seem to have such a hard time with it? Well, this is kind of an ironic answer, I think. I think the people that are most open to grasping the idea and putting themselves forward have been through a lot already. I mean, we're the kind of people who have tried a little of everything, uh, you know, kind of come up against the wall or the glass ceiling, whatever the trendy word is these days, you know, so many times that we're forced to sit down, go inside, and say, you know, there's got to be more than life than this, and I'm willing to go for it. So, I've, again, paradoxically, it's the kind of person who's really willing to put themselves forth and make the best of themselves and improve the world at the same time are those who have tried, uh, you know, kind of to do it the world's way and have figured out it doesn't really work that way. And so they're willing to take some risks and some chances, maybe even look foolish in the process, and open up to so much more. Um, you know, you've got to be willing to look at the stars in the sky to think that you can go uh, upward and don't have to just look straight ahead and keep plodding, plodding along. And, you know, over the years, Tammy, I've seen some very interesting trends in terms of who those people are. Maybe 20 years ago, uh, we were what people would call the New Age, you know, or the New Spiritual people or the, the non-religious. And these days, almost all of my clients are mainstream people. 
They're the ones who are flocking out of corporation, whether it's that they're being pushed out of the nest or that they're really ready to fly. You know, or the people who have been homemakers or doctors or accountants or, you know, what have you. But the so-called normal people are now figuring out uh, that they're really not that normal and that there's more to who they are than they've been able to act out in, in the so-called real world, and they're ready to open up and blossom. Well, now, let's talk to the person who might be listening and says, you know, I, I mean, yeah, this idea, everybody has a destiny, everybody has a purpose. I like the idea, but I, I haven't found that in my life. Is my purpose just to be kind of a nice person to other people or, you know, perform my job, whatever it is? I mean, I don't, I don't have some sense of some greater purpose except to get the most out of life every day. Well, you know, years and years ago, I was doing some studying in Peru with a shaman. And I asked this shaman who's a healer, uh, you know, why do you do what you do? Why do you help people? Why do you do healing work? Why do you act as a conduit for the divine? And he said, you know, my purpose is really to do three things. It's to help girls achieve womanhood before they have children. It's to help fathers stay with the children and raise them and is to help the children become who and what they're supposed to be. And so, you know, I don't want to knock the, the so-called average life. Our spirit's here in a body and expresses through the body. I really believe that everything physical is spiritual also, and so it is on purpose to pay our bills, raise our children, uh, you know, kind of deal with our health care concerns, take care of our aging mothers or fathers or whatever it is that life presents, kind of all of us that we might call tedious or, or, or a little boring at times or certainly stressful. That is part of our calling. And yet we're never going to change the average into something that's supernatural, that can be really super and bring forth the gifts that we have deep inside if we don't say, you know what, the edges need to be blurred. When I'm tending to my sick child, um, you know, is there a higher calling even in that act? Is there something for me to learn? Is there something for me to teach my child? Is there a new way that I'm supposed to stretch? Is there something I can do beyond taking that child to the doctor that has a healing endeavor that helps me, the child, and maybe even other people as well? And I believe everybody feels that yearning. Even if they feel super stuck, like kind of the plant in the pot in their everyday lives, I believe everybody yearns for and dreams about being something a little bigger and a little bit more. And unfortunately, sometimes we give up hope. Um, I've been in situations in my life and times in my life. I remember when I had three kids, two of my own, foster daughter, single mom, five animals, and I thought, you know, all I can really do is get through the day. And sometimes, some days, I would even believe that that's really all I was supposed to be about, was just to be kind of this... I don't know, dreg sort of a person who just kind of plods through, suffers through. But if I was even then really honest with myself, I would have said, you know, I'm really made for more than this. I'm made to do this in a good way, but I'm more important than only pouring Honey Nut Cheerios in the morning. So, you know, I I really encourage people, if they're in that hopeless state, like this is all I am, to say, you know what, what's under the hopelessness? Do you really want to stay hopeless? Do you really want to feel helpless? Or are you ready to go inside and start feeling, even through your frustration, the push and the pull to do and to be more than you've allowed yourself to settle for? 
Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you're right that people feel that. I'm curious, I know that you know a lot about the chakras and have written several books on chakra healing and advanced chakra wisdom, how the chakras relate to our sense of purpose and destiny. That's a great question. I, in my uh, friendship circle, I'm considered the chakra queen, and I'm not quite sure I want to take that title on. (laughs) But I became infatuated with chakras years and years ago when I was able, you know, even as like a five-year-old, to perceive energies in and around people that were colored. And, you know, I was a white, wonderbred Lutheran, went to Sunday school. There's absolutely no way I would have known that there are energy bodies that help regulate our life. And that's exactly what chakras are, I've come to learn about, and now I teach about. They're energy centers or bodies that change really fast-moving spiritual energy into slow physical energy and vice versa. And there's a number of them. Each regulates a different life concern or set of concerns, all the way from physical to metaphysical. And for me, the chakras kind of hold the keys to the, to the mini-universe that each of us are. Because each chakra or each band of frequencies and concerns that a chakra manages or regulates is about real life. So quite a few years ago, I decided to really investigate chakras in terms of how working them can apply to the normal person, which is like really, as I just said, a not normal person to these fantastic beings that we are, and help us be in our destiny, like our jobs, be in better relationships than we've been in, improve the ones we're in, attract new ones, parent well, make more money, you know, but also pursue greater dreams. And I've really devoted myself to looking at each individual chakra, but the system as a whole, to examine those issues. Um, you know, the chakras, for instance, are each psychic centers. So if we can regulate our psychic abilities and transform them into kind of, kind of a higher form of knowing or an intuitive way of knowing where we've got some filter systems, gosh, I can set about my day and say, you know, I'd really like to open to the opportunities today, you know, that will help me in my life or help my child or help my my spouse or improve my work performance or connect me better to the divine. And it's going to happen because I'm working the chakra or the chakras that will help me do that. Can you explain a little more? What do you mean it's a psychic center? The chakras are psychic centers. Well, each chakra is really just a band of vibration or frequency. So one of the chakras, for instance, is connected into the hip or the groin area, and very specifically into the adrenals. Each chakra is connected into a different uh, endocrine gland. And you could picture that chakra as a circle, like a whirlpool of light, which a lot of practitioners do, or I think even probably more accurately, like a great big spotlight that goes in every direction around us and penetrates into the world while linking into our nervous system, our blood, our circulatory system, everything about us. And that chakra is constantly transforming or transmuting, like I said, this really fast-moving energy that moves faster than the speed of light into slow energy. And so maybe out in China, somebody's thinking a thought that if I could pick up on it, it's going to help me in my life. Let's say I'm a stockbroker, and I really need to know what's going on in China right now for making my stock picks. 
Well, through that particular chakra that's able to pick up on that, say the first chakra, which is about money, I can literally get a sense in my body, a sensation, a feeling, an inclination to go look at a, look at a press release or whatever that's going to help me make money doing what I do. The chakra that regulates relationships is in the heart, which we could probably naturally assume. And it's, again, beaming everywhere. And so let's say I'm a single person who loved to meet my mate, and, you know, most people want to meet somebody really important or special. You know, if I'm really open in that energy center in a healthy way, I can just get this thought in my head, gosh, you know, I think I need to go sit at Starbucks and work tonight. I walk in the door, there I am, and there's Mr. and Ms. Wonderful. Um, you know, I love it when it works that easy. <laughs> but the chakras are intuitive centers. They pick up on the kinds of information or events that we can't touch, see, taste, you know, or even flavor our thinking with because they're so fast. That's data that's moving so fast. It's got to be made known to us through our bodies, which is what the chakras do. Now, you mentioned that for you, the chakras were uh, a huge key in opening up your understanding of how a person works. So if, if somebody has a, a frustration about their destiny and sense of purpose, how would they approach working with their chakras to be effective? I mean, you sort of mentioned these examples, but I still, how, how does the listener go about um, making this real in their life? Well, you know, and that's really what I love doing with people and, and even for myself. I work with the 12 chakra system and a number of my books and sounds true, such as the subtle body. I talk about a 12 chakra system where each of these energy centers are located, what they run, what they regulate, what they're all about, and what the types of personality traits are that are kind of loaded into each chakra. So the first chakra is very physical. That's in the hip area. The second chakra is in the abdomen. Uh, that regulates concerns that are about creativity, feelings. The third chakra is in the solar plexus, and that runs thoughts, uh, how we interact with people at work. It's going to regulate and affect our success at work, our structure of life, what we're able to manage or not manage in terms of data and details, etc. So each of these centers really kind of runs a part of our life, and each of us has stronger versus weaker chakras. So let's talk about destiny. Here's Cindy Dale, and I'm supposed to be a writer, okay? Um, do I really need a strong... 10th chakra, which is underneath the feet that has to do with nature? Well, probably not unless I'm going to be a nature writer. What I need is a strong energy center that regulates thoughts, thinking, educating, people reading, communicating, which is up in the throat. And so literally when I'm born, my spirit, which carries this real unique mission that I'm here to accomplish, kind of comes into my little body and opens up or taps open certain of these chakras that have the gifts I'm going to need in life. Um, I often work with people to go backward in the process and to have them pay attention to what they're doing on a daily basis, what kind of person they are, what's their style, how do they interact with the world, what kind of person they are. And so if somebody's talking all day, they love to talk. They chatter. They gossip. They were the kid in school that passed notes all the time. Or they love music. They love anything that has to do with communicating. That person's a strong 
fifth chakra person. They have a strong communicating energy center. That's a clue as to what their gifts are. We can backtrack it and figure out, you know, what their purpose is, but also what kind of style they have in everyday life. How are they going to accomplish their goals? Um, you know, somebody who's on a diet, who's a talker, the only way they're going to do an exercise program is to be able to talk five times a day with somebody and check in. The only way they're going to actually lose weight is to make sure they always have celery on hand because they're certainly not going to stop, you know, their mouth from chatting, even, it's, if, if, even if it involves eating, long enough to actually lose weight, um, you know, if they're eating just a regular diet. So I help people figure out their strongest versus weaker chakras and then literally construct a way to act, to interact with others, to set up their goals and to achieve them based on their strongest traits, their strongest chakras. I kind of call it their signature chakras. If you know that, you can figure out how to go about your life in a way that's really personal to you. Well, it's interesting. I could imagine one view would be develop the areas of weakness not just go with your strengths. But if you develop your areas of weakness, then you'll become more whole. But you're sort of proposing something different, which is go with your strengths. I am. (laughs) You know why? Because I have personal experience in this area also. I'm, for instance, not a strong third chakra person. Third chakra people are really organized. They could declutter, you know, they can go in somebody's house and declutter them within five minutes. This is the kind of person who makes a good accountant, a good homemaker, you know, if they've got the five kids and they have to organize them and get them out to all the lessons that they need to get to, good project manager, a good, you know, anybody that's excellent at taking information, organizing it, and following a plan. I don't have one cell of that gift. Absolutely nothing. I mean, if I file something, I will never, ever file it. I I will never find it again. I'll never remember what I filed it under. You know, if I'm filing something that says, you know, computer technology, would I put it under the word computer or technology or things that I will never get to? And so, you know, I've like shot myself trying to become a better organized person. And in the meantime, I could have spent all those hours doing something that I'm really good at and I love doing. So, you know, to a certain extent, you know, there's no excuses for, for instance, not putting uh, my, you know, not filing my taxes on time, which is a really great third chakra activity. But you know what? I actually hired three different people to help me get my taxes ready so that I can even file them on time. Um, you know, and in the meantime, I can go off and do the things that I'm really good at and make the impact on the world, you know, and in my everyday life that I'm here to make. So it's great to try to improve our weaknesses. If I can become a much better writer by concentrating on that versus a kind of a good filer by spending a lot of time on that, gosh, which is the choice I'd rather make? Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that from a young age that you discovered that you had intuitive gifts. So I'm curious, when somebody comes to you for a destiny coaching session, Do you see the situation in their chakras, where they're strong, where they're weak? Can you just see it and assess it or while you're talking on the phone with somebody? Or do you instead take them through a whole self-assessment process? No, I just see them. I'm very fortunate that way. I've, since I was a child, been able to see energies, colors, sometimes visions of somebody's past, 
metaphorical or literal, sometimes even glimpses into the future. And so, you know, 80, 90% of my work is actually on the phone. So when I'm working with somebody, I literally just see colors in my head, sometimes other descriptor pictures, and I can say, gosh, you're a really organized person, unlike me. Or have you ever thought about writing? I was just on the phone the other day with a client who told me absolutely nothing about herself. And I started to say, you know, you are a storyteller. You, I can see all this blue energy around you, which is the communication color, and it had little sparkles in it, which tells me that they're really creative, and a lot of orange, which is a creative energy. And so from that little bit of data and my own kind of kinesthetic senses of things, I can pretty much spin somebody's personality. And I think a lot of us can do this. It's just that we're not all visual and see pictures in our head. Sometimes people are much more body-based or kinesthetic and might sit down next to somebody and kind of just get this feeling that the person they're with is a real physical person. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they're real mechanical. And so they pick up on that information in a different way. I'm just able to do it long distance and really visually. Now, what if I want to do a self-assessment of my chakra situation? How do I do that? Well, I have some books out on that. If somebody's interested in doing it for a healthcare sort of orientation, I have a book called Attracting Your Perfect Body Through the Chakras. If they're more interested in work and work success, I have you know yet another book on Attracting Prosperity Through the Chakras, which is really about figuring out your purpose. And somebody can do it just getting a hold of any description of the chakras. They don't even have to be my descriptions of the chakras and kind of saying, gosh, which chakra do I think I work with most frequently? Which type of person do I therefore think that I am? And you can really, truly orient your decision-making, your life activities, your behavior, your diet, your way of doing relationships around the type of person that you are. So I, for instance, have a very strong first chakra, which is the real physical one in the hip area. So I, I'm just this kind of person, if I want to accomplish something, I just start it. I tend not to really think about it first, which can be unfortunate sometimes, especially for other people. But I'll just go about throwing myself into it, getting active, doing it. When I'm stuck, I go exercise. And actually, when I'm on the phone, one of the reasons I like working on the phone with clients is that I just walk around the house with the phone uh, all the time. I think better when I'm moving. My 10-year-old is very much the same way, which is not really a very scholastic uh, approach to life. So when we're memorizing, like, his spelling words, I have him bounce a basketball while we're doing it. I have him bounce a basketball, repeat every single letter, and then, you know, consistently just kind of do something active until he can repeat the spelling word. You know, I, it's not going to work if he's a meditative sort of a kid who would have to sit there and chant a mantra and go, oh, I can spell this word as long as I'm in, as long as I'm in touch with the divine. That's just not the kind of kid he is. And so it's really beneficial, really beneficial for people to know what their strong suits are, chakra-wise, and to work with those. Just a little bit more about this idea of uh, going with our strengths. I mean, I understand professionally, and even when it comes to learning, why you would work with your strong suit. But in terms of emotional wholeness, doesn't it make sense to try to develop the chakras in which we have a weakness? Because there's some reason that we're weak there, some way that we're 
blocking something, resisting something, and to just sort of work around that, don't you become kind of like a human obstacle course? You've avoided some part of your own development? That's a good point. There are probably really two basic reasons that a chakra is going to be weak. One is what I pointed out, which is it's really simply not as necessary a gift center for what we're here to accomplish. And secondly, sometimes a chakra is really defunct or underdeveloped, exactly like you, you said, because we've blocked it or some situation in our life has been so traumatic, we've just absolutely shut down. So, for instance, the second chakra, which is the emotional one in the abdomen area, frequently people who are abused as children, sexually abused, physically abused as an adult, or go through a very traumatic time, uh, you know, those high-stress times where you go through a divorce, you lose your job, your child is sick, you're sick, or whatever, especially all at the same time, an energy center sometimes deals with it by just shutting down, or we deal with it by just saying, you know, I need to be in shock, I just need to get through this. If we're a fairly healthy person, that that shutdown energy center opens up over time anyway. But if there's some kind of unconscious belief that we're safer or better off keeping it closed down, it might unnecessarily shut down, and then it really isn't available to us. I'm picking at the second chakra because that's the one I often see people shut down, especially in America. We tend to be really about action, activity, and thinking, but not so much about feeling and expressing. And so frequently that's the energy center that people learn to shut down or their family systems have shut down. And so, no, we're not going to be developed human beings. We are going to be stunted if we're not able to access and really flow through and live through every part of our being. Some people will never be great at being creative. I mean, I can't draw a stick figure. I absolutely, no matter what I do, and I've taken art lessons, can't yield a pen, a pencil, a crayon even, to, 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 to make anything make sense on paper, which is one of the second chakra strengths in terms of creativity. Nonetheless, I do want that energy center healthy so that I can respond to creativity, so I can be creative in my own way, and so that I can process emotionally. And so, you know, we can, we need to be everything that we are. And we're still going to have deficits that we're just going to have to learn to live with. And they're okay. They're okay to have. Mm -hmm. Okay, now in your work, and you've mentioned this, you talk about 12 chakras. And, you know, most people, I think, when they talk about the chakra system, identify the seven that are located in the body. And you've mentioned those. Can you go through with us what 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 are in your system, and also how you discovered this 12 chakra system. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, Westerners typically do think that there's just seven and they're all located in or emanate from the body. And, you know, that's, to me, kind of a Western way of thinking, because if it's not physical, it's not real. And, you know, back in the 1920s when certain movements in America and across Europe, you know, kind of even opened up to the whole ideas of chakras, which are more of an Eastern and a, and a Indian, uh, Eastern Indian concept than kind of European, um, you know, it seemed like to make most sense to pick those which were emanating from the body. Now, 
20, 25 years ago when I really started just on a path of self-discovery to try to figure out what these colors were, I was puzzled because I actually kept seeing more chakras than I was learning about. So I was saying, well, what's this one? What's this one? And, you know, a few of my teachers would say, well, I don't see anything. But, you know, a few would say, hmm, you know, let's psychically take a look at that. Yeah, you're right. There's something underneath the feet. And so I just started evolving toward my own understanding of these out-of-the-body five and working with them. And I found them very beneficial to work with for myself or for other people. And then I've been doing a lot more scholastic studies also about these unusual chakras over the past uh, 20-some years. And, you know, it, it just all depends on who you study. There's one East Indian master from a few hundred years ago who says that there's four chakras. There's another who says there's nine. There's yet another who touts 11 and another who says there's 15. There's an Incan system where there's nine. So, you know, I've kind of figured out people just have to figure out what works for them in the end. Um, but I do believe that there's 12, if not 42, and I just don't really want to know about a lot of the others because it would be a really thick book. Um, and I love working with the top five because they bring me into really much more of the power and influence of the spirit and things spiritual. So eight is like a little point right above the head, about an inch and a half above the head. And if I look at it psychically, and as most people do, they see it kind of like a little black ink dot. But if you travel up in it, it becomes this real vast realm. That is the home of what mystics often call the Akashic Records, which is the recording of everything we've ever done or thought, to kind of our soul's journey through life um, and other lifetimes, both you know past and future. And, you know, kind of a recording of all the, the systems that we've ever touched. And it's a place that I go to to actually journey to other realms and places and planets and dimensions and time periods. And that's often how shamans work. So I call it the shamanic portal. Right above that, really kind of bottoms, arm's length above the head, is the ninth chakra, which is gold. And this actually carries what I like to describe as our soul genetics. So we have physical genes and we have soul genes. Hmm. And soul genes can often be read as numbers, symbols, shapes, the kind of stuff that when it's downloaded into our body actually opens us up and even impacts our physical genes. So this is an energy center that connects into other people's souls as well. Let's just pause there for one second, because I'm very curious about this idea of soul genetics. Do you mean that from lifetime to lifetime, we have our sort of soul DNA? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I absolutely do mean that. That our soul, which carries its a soul purpose, and goes through many lifetimes in order to express it, and also learn about it, and just plain learn, you know, and gather teachings, period, actually does have its own unique set of genetics, or kind of like energetic genetics, and those are often encoded actually into our body and even into the genes, you know, in order to maybe maybe to, to help us select, you know, a certain body type. You know, a football player is really not going to make it if, if, it's, uh, you know, if, if he's four foot eight. He's going to have to have a certain body build. And so those soul genes, you know, are going to help program the physical genes so that we can accomplish the goals that we're here to, to achieve during a certain lifetime or overall, throughout all the lifetimes that we ever go through. 
And, uh, you know, so sometimes even intuitively, I know a lot of what my soul genes are. I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, but I get a lot of signs from the, the real world. Uh, like, for instance, a seven is one of the, the so-called numbers that means something to me. So I had one day that I said, you know, I really need to know if I'm on track about X, Y, Z. Everywhere I went, I saw sevens. I was behind four cars just on my way to take my child to school that had nothing but sevens on them. Uh, seven, 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 S, seven, seven, seven. You know, and so, you know, I got my answer from the so-called concrete world, but it was really speaking to and through my soul. And so, yeah, we've actually got programs, you know, that I think our soul does carry through. Mm-hmm. Just like we have lesson plans that, for better or worse, we're constantly trying to work on in these different lifetimes. Okay, that, that's the ninth chakra. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. It's fun to work with that one. The tenth, we reverse down and go underneath the feet, about a foot and a half. And this is our connection into nature. This is the naturalist energy center. This is the one that actually does before birth and through the conception process, uh, load or front load our genes. And it's through this that our soul kind of goes back in time along our genetic and genealogical inheritance and selects the genes that are going to really kind of enable us to be who we're supposed to be or learn the lessons we need to learn. Sometimes genetic abnormalities are on purpose because they're mirroring a lesson that we have to finish or they're bringing up, you know, an issue that we have to face or, uh, you know, I've actually had somebody who had a uh, hip disorder their entire life. It healed because we went back down through the 10th chakra to an experience that one of his ancestors, I don't know how many generations ago, had gone through, you know, that caused that ancestor's hips to be misaligned it was passed all the way through and my client's hips completely cleared up just facing what came in from the past so the 10th chakra is our rooting system into our own genealogical ancestry you know really kind of as well as into the earth which is in a way our mother father uh, on a real physical level while we're on this planet people with a really strong 10th chakra they're very nature-based these are the kind of people who, uh, you know, receive their signs uh, and and enjoy everything in and from the natural system and the natural processes. That's the tenth chakra. Yeah, it's interesting to me that our physical genetic system would originate from underneath us versus from on top of us. Isn't it? But I think it makes sense because we're our bodies are actually constructed of elements. You know, fire, water, earth, depending on which elemental system you work with, there are up to 10 different elements. And so we're composed of the earth herself. We're composed of that which makes up nature. And so where's nature? Certainly it's around us and on top of us, but but we gestate from below. Those are the concrete matters that create physical matters. Okay, makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. 11th chakra, now we're around the body. It's like a pink film that surrounds us, and it's, it's, it's most uh, kind of heaviest and condensed in and around our feet and our hands. Uh, and this is a really interesting energy center to work with. I see it as the center of commanding. 
And I think that we can access it to command and even generate forces both natural and supernatural. So what do I mean by natural forces? Well, wind, the seas. When we read in the Bible, for instance, about Jesus uh, calming the waters, it's the tenth chakra through which he did that. I, uh, years ago, was... You, you mean the eleventh? Well, excuse me, yes, thank you, it was the eleventh. Yeah. I, um, years ago, was starting to work with this energy center, and I was conducting my own kind of private educational tour uh, to meet different shamans down in Mexico, and I was driving from city to city or village to village to try to, uh, you know, kind of really figure out the, the, the kind of shamans that lived in that country. And I heard that there was a professor in this one particular town who was studying shamanism as well. So I drove into the village, and she was right there in the center. I could tell it was her. She, I mean, she was a white person. And she had this huge mark across her cheek, like a burn mark. And I went up to her, and I said, you know, gosh, you know, I'm Cindy Dale, et cetera. You know, what happened? You look like you were struck by lightning. And she said, I was. She said, there are two weather shamans in this area, and I was only going to talk about one of them in this book that I'm writing. The other one found out and commanded the lightning to strike me. And boom, here you are, two days after I was struck by lightning. It's the 11th chakra that through which we're able to command those kind of natural forces, but I also believe supernatural forces. So these real leaders... Even Hitler was a spiritual leader in his own way. He was manipulative and twisted and actually, for real, drew on a demon to get his, uh, his, his campaign information, um, was able to, to move energies in such a way that he could force people to do what he wanted them to do. And so it's the 11th chakra that's the vehicle. What do you for mean that. for real that he drew on a demon? It is real. There's a lot of research that shows that he had a demon uh, that he worked with, and he actually so-called met it during the World War I. He was in the trenches with a number of other soldiers, and he heard a voice in his head, who he later called Providence, say, get out of the trench. He left the trench, and it was, it was shot at just a few moments later. Everybody else in the trench was killed, and he survived. And he consulted his journals, it's clear, he consulted Providence uh, for, his, for his strategies. And Providence was, what do you mean by was a demon? demon? What do you mean demon? That's the name of the demon. That's what he called it. He called it his daemon. Oh, daemon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but since then, most people have come to believe it was truly some sort of an entity, you know, or a, or a demon. But for him, it was his guiding force. Okay, so just going back for a moment to the 11th chakra, uh-huh. you know, in terms of that being located in the hands, I understand the idea of command and the power uh-huh. in the center of the hands. How uh-huh. does commanding energy relate to the bottom of the feet? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Well, we talked a little bit about that 10th chakra and that that's down underneath our feet in the ground and it's our kind of vessel for connecting in with nature nature's elements and natural forces and so when we're commanding the lower frequency elements or natural forces it's really our feet that's drawing them up into our body or around our body and producing the effect Mm -hmm. okay cool and now the 12th chakra the 12th i just absolutely love working with the 12th chakra it's all the way around the body it's clear I call this the layer of mastery. 
And I only see it as clear because I think it's very individual to each person. If I were to, for instance, journey into my 12th chakra, that's where I'm going to really sense my own individuality, my own true personality. Perhaps you could even say my own essence or real spiritual self, my gifts, my purpose, who I am. And it's critical that this energy center is around the body because right outside of it is a different energy structure called the energy egg that has several layers to it. And the outside of that layer goes all the way through the spiritual dimensions into the planes that I don't even know if we can even grasp the idea of while we're just, you know, human beings. And so this is the outer realm of who we are, and it connects in to all these other worlds and planets and and planes that we can access and bring straight through the 12th chakra into our actual individualized physical self. Um, but it's very unique to each of us. And so often when I'm doing healing work with people, I like to work out here in this part of the field because I'm then able to help that person access his or her own unique perspectives or healing energy or access to the universe and bring in energy that's never been here before. Just the other day I was working with a gentleman with an autoimmune disease of the top half of his body breaks out in these welts and he has to get steroid shots and he has had for years and years we actually worked through this energy center and 50 percent reduction in the breakouts in his body while we were working i wasn't doing anything i was just having him open up to the energy that he needed to help balance his system he did it through this energy center and saw an immediate effect now i wish i could guarantee that all the time <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of fun to look at those wow sort of cases just to demonstrate what's possible through some of these different energy centers. It's uh, really interesting hearing about all 12 chakras, so thank you, Cindy, for explaining that. When we're talking in this conversation about how our individual destiny is encoded in our chakras, I'm curious how you see an individual's destiny progressing from lifetime to lifetime. I mean, what's your sense of... Uh, the purpose of each individual lifetime, building on the last lifetime and then moving forward. What's your view of that? Well, I'm going to give you two answers. One's optimistic, one's pessimistic. Wonderful. I love that. (laughs) Optimistically, I think the plan was to evolve. I think the plan is here I am. I've got this purpose. I'm here to create more hope, all right, or to be a healer. And in every lifetime, I want to be able to execute that purpose and to help people and to learn a little bit more about love, uh, you know, as I progressively, you know, better my skills and understand myself and the nature of the divine better. So, you know, the idea of, of these consecutive lifetimes is basically to improve ourselves, to learn more, and I believe to even create more love. I mean, love isn't anything that's static. We need to keep creating it bettering it, furthering it, and we need to do that with who we are and ourselves. So we're supposed to go through, you know, and kind of like it's that whole idea of you just get better with age, you know, which I don't know if that's really true either, but that's the idea. And so if we kind of screw up in one lifetime, hey, it's fine, there's another lifetime, we can come back in, make amends to that person maybe that we hurt, or gosh, you know, if in one lifetime I, I quit a little early, well, I can come into the next one and make sure I complete 
a task that had been, you know, kind of incomplete or I had, you know, taken a pass on uh, earlier. So this whole idea of growth and progress is really the basis of consecutive lifetimes and interactions. Unfortunately, I think what's happened for most of us in most cases is that we make a mistake in a lifetime, and instead of saying, gosh, it's okay, I can, I can fix this, you know, I can make amends to that person, I can, I can just do a little bit different in the next lifetime, and, and you know, it's all going to be okay. You know, instead, I think we self-inflict. We shame ourselves. We maybe even start shaming other people, like, I could have made it if they hadn't screwed me up. And we choose a situation in the next lifetime that's not only challenging, but even more challenging than what we already went through. And so we're almost dooming ourselves to fail. And each time we fail, we, again, unfortunately, set ourselves up for an even harder lesson plan, and we make it harder on ourselves. So I have found that over time, most people just keep repeating, in a way, the same lifetime over and over and over. And instead of picking slightly more loving situations or an easier path through the lesson, they actually pick harder ones lifetimes after lifetime. And so we're at this point, I think, where the world is such a mess because our individual souls are so exhausted and they're full of so much self-hatred and dysfunctional patterns that, you know, I think deep inside most of us are going kind of like, gosh, you know, life's just really hard. Why even try? Okay, well, I'll just kind of muddle through. But I don't think that I can even, you know, execute the most simplest of tasks, much less deliver my destiny. And so I think that basically the soul just keeps beating up on itself and it makes it harder instead of easier. So a lot of what I do when I work with people, especially in a past life capacity, you know, is just say, you know, it's really important to forgive yourself and then to start making changes now that involve more self-love, self-forgiveness, grace, uh, gratefulness for the lesson. But it's okay to choose easier and more loving and, and, and just plain lighter rather than heavier. And, and so dismaying. Now, interesting, you know, most people who describe a multiple lifetime model will present the optimistic view that it's designed for human evolution, we're in some kind of school, we're progressing. And I guess what I hear you saying is it's a more neutral situation than that. It's kind of what you make of it. I think it is totally what you make of it. Absolutely. You know, and I think that a lot of times, you know, people feel more like they're a failure because they're still working on the same lesson they were working on 10 lifetimes ago or 48 lifetimes ago. And that's when I like to say, you know what, that's okay. Let's just stop. What do you think the teaching is? Grab the teaching. Now let's move forward. Let's design things differently. You wrote a book that Sounds True published called Illuminating the Afterlife, and I'm curious how that fits into this discussion about at the end of a certain lifetime before the next incarnation, what you've discovered in in brief here about the afterlife. Well, I think we live an entire lifetime in between lifetimes. 
So there's a convoluted statement for you. But there really is a journey beyond this lifetime. And people who have recorded their near-death experiences, you know, those who have died and come back to life, and, you know, those who are even very spiritual and, like, talk to the dead or communicate with the dead, all insist that there is a beyond, but it's not static. There's not just one thing that happens to people when they die. They don't just go into purgatory and wait there until Judgment Day. That there's many paths, uh, that there's many choices available to us when we're dying and after death and even long after we're dead. And so my book, Illuminating the Afterlife, is about those different kinds of choices. And I frame it up as uh, different planes, planes of light or or levels of existence that we get to visit, that we get to travel on, that we get to learn on. Uh, there's beings, there's helpers, there's lesson plans on each of these planes uh, that prepare us to either come back into this kind of an incarnation or go someplace totally different. And so it's kind of like a school on the other side, much more probably evolved often than the, than the school that we have here on this planet. Um, but I think everything that's so-called over there is available to us right here as well. So my book is really begging the question, you know, why wait until you're dead to open up to the different sorts of truths and the wisdom and even the healing energies that are available to us uh, then? Um, you know, if we can open up to it now, wow. I mean, you know, the people that have so-called returned from the dead, the NDEers, as they're called. I have met many, many people who've had near-death experiences. You know, and to the one, they are some of the most awesome individuals you could ever hope to meet uh, in terms of their ability to be intuitive, uh, loving, open, altruistic, kind. You know, so what is it about what you know, what's over there that we can bring here and change ourselves and, and help change the world as well. You know, Cindy, I have to say I'm enjoying talking to you so much. I could talk to you for a really long time, so I hope we can do this again. I would love to. As a just concluding question, our, our program is called Insights at the Edge, and one of the things I'm curious about is what the edge is for you in your own personal discovery, your own life at this point in time. What are you oh, working with? Oh, that's an absolutely brilliant question. You know, here's my edge. I like to challenge myself to go as far out as possible, um, you know, in terms of using my gifts in a way that we're going to help people. I truly want to bring through, and I mean that kind of on the spiritual sort of level, I absolutely want to bring through the, the most accessible way for people to do healing work. I mean, that's really what my goal is. Uh, I had a vision a few years ago of a book that was written, I don't know, 50 years out, in which I'm quoted, and it's written by actually medical doctors 50 years out, you know, in which they were able to take some of the ideas that I brought forth and use them in allopathic medicine or the integrative medicine of the future to literally help people heal from cancer uh, and some of these mega diseases that I just don't believe we really need to have. So that's my edge. And so I just keep going out to that edge. And every time I'm there and I think I have a little something, you know what? There's another, there's another site. There's another journey site for me to reach to. Well, very good. There's a lot to talk about there, and oh, we'll do that again. Thank you. I'd love to. Okay. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Tammy. 
This program has been brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Please visit us at SoundsTrue.com and experience our award-winning audio programs for yourself. Programs that embrace the world's major spiritual traditions, as well as the arts and humanities, embodied by the leading authors, teachers, and visionary artists of our time. With every title, we strive to preserve the essential living wisdom of the author, artist, or spiritual teacher. Not only will you receive information, but you will receive the essential quality of a wisdom transmission between a teacher and a student. Many voices, one journey. Soundstrue.com.